You are listening to the FCF Leadership Podcast. This podcast has been created to help you connect and achieve your destiny as a leader. For more information, visit our website at fcf.org. So I I remember um, a little background on me. My husband was raised Catholic, and he was one of like the first person probably that I met that was Catholic. I didn't know people that were Catholic growing up. And you married him. And I married him. (laughs) Which is really funny because people don't know this, but um, when we first, this is a really funny story. When we first started dating, he wouldn't even say bless you when somebody sneezed. He would say gesundheit. And it was just hilarious to me. But um, I had just left my non-denominational word of faith church and I was looking for a church and I was so nervous to bring him anywhere that I felt comfortable because I knew that he wasn't going to feel comfortable. We ended up going to Life Church and it changed our relationship and it gave us the most amazing like foundation for our family and our marriage. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. But I had to go through that uncomfortable stepping out, you know, what I may have thought about Life Church and I was even open to going to a Catholic church if that's where he felt comfortable going because I knew what was important for me was to have a foundation of God. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you kind of have to build upon that a little bit. But he was open and willing to going to live church and it changed us. But that's not everybody's mentality or it hasn't been. It might be now. So, you know, that segregation within denominations, like how, how do you overcome that? Uh, well, I think, you know, we have to remember, um, what our highest calling is. Um, and, and I get, and I understand I'm a very opinionated person, but we grow up, um, we're taught, we might go to Bible school or we grow up in a certain church and we forget that from the very beginning of either childhood or our upbringing at whatever age that starts in church, we get a slant of scripture. We get somebody's interpretation of scripture. It could be a denomination on certain things. And that gets ingrained in us, and that becomes our biblical worldview. And we are, whether we like it or not, we get put in a box, or we create a box for ourselves of this biblical worldview. And a lot of times we don't want to be open or receptive to things, and we become opinionated, or what I would say is we become prideful in how we were taught or what we believe. Right. And I have things that I, I won't negotiate on, but here is what I believe God has convicted me of and shown me and I think is actually just really simple in principle, very difficult to do. And he just said, the, reminded me, what did I ask you to do? What is the greatest thing that you can do for me? And that's to love him yeah. and to love others as he loved the church. That's it. So if I disagree with somebody doctrinally, that means I am walking in pride. I'm walking in my pride of doctrine. I'm walking in my pride of my interpretation of scripture or my slant. And I am saying that my doctrine is more important than the other person on the other side of the table. And now I'm outside of obedience. The greatest thing we can do is love. He asked us, he told us to go love our enemies. Right. We're not talking about enemies here. We're actually talking about our brothers and sisters in Christ. Right. And if I can't walk in love towards them, if I'm going to allow a a difference of doctrine to stand between us, I just pray that people's hearts and minds are open to, whoa, wait a second. I mean, that's where it's like, man, are we getting hypocritical in, in this message of how can we preach a message of reconciliation if we are not reconciled one to another? Yeah. And so, you know, Paul in Colossians three fourteen says, love is the bond of perfection. 
if we're, I mean, love is what's required for a marriage to work. It's what's required for any relationship. To, well, love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. It's not boastful. So we can't be puffed up in what we believe the Bible to say, the doctrine to say, so much so that we separate relationally from people. Yeah. I don't think that is the gospel or the message that we should example to our communities, to our cities, to our nation. Why, why do you think it is that we hold so tight to our belief system that we forget about that? It is such a little thing, but we make it into such a big thing. Like, like loving somebody, Mm -hmm. um, that believes something different than us. You know, like we turn it into, it's a life or death situation. They're wrong. I'm right. Yeah. I think sometimes, sometimes I think it feels like that. Um, and again, I'm still learning in this whole process, even yeah. though I've published a book, I, I'm, my opinion's going to change. I'm growing in all this. So here, here's some thoughts, not necessarily set in stone, my, Jason's belief. Um, but I think we almost just kind of get into a habit. It's like, Hey, I show up to my church on Sunday. This is what we do. <clears throat> Excuse me. And we don't realize that we're never like reaching outside of our, our kind, our tribe to connect with other people. And so then we're not exposed to anything different. And if you're not exposed to anything different, you're not growing your, your thought processes, you're not being challenged. And so I think we need to be intentional with that. And I believe part of the Unite My City movement forces us to be intentional with that more so originally around the idea of, okay, how can we impact our city together and bring glory to glory to God? I mean, let's glorify Jesus. Let's meet the needs of our community and say, it's because of Jesus that we're doing this. Not us, not, not, not my banner of church, not my banner of denomination, but because of Jesus and he loves you. And that's what we want you to see. And because he loved us so much, we love you so much. We're going to come in and meet your needs. And then we're going to point them to Jesus. Mm -hmm. If that can be our starting point, which I hope, I hope everybody (laughs) that would call themselves a Christian, that can at least be our starting point. But then that forces us to get in the room together. That Mm -hmm. forces us to begin working together. Mm -hmm. So now the questions come up, well, I don't know. Well, I don't want to reach these people because we're going to want to disciple them differently. Are you kidding me? Let's let God kind of work that out and let's just focus on ushering people in to the kingdom of God because he loves them. And let's example that love to one another. And so we have to be intentional about finding ways to expose ourselves to other elements of the body of Christ. Yeah. And I think looking at ways to serve our community together is a way we can do that. Yeah. So we had the Serve My City Day. When was that? That, that was this June. June. It was June yep. already? June 13th, oh. 2020. It's okay. coming up. It's coming up. So how many churches participated in that? Do you have that 52, number? 52. 52. 52 or 54. Now now you have me questioning, but it's right there. Somewhere so around there. 52 different churches. Uh, I mean, almost every different denomination, non-denominational, Baptist, Assemblies of God, Methodist, Presbyterian, and a lot of them are working together, Together. like literally shoulder to shoulder, dollar to dollar, sharing budgets. Their people are right next to each other, serving, painting schools, helping in an apartment complex or a mobile home um, part actually out here in Broken Arrow, several churches are working together. So it it literally is together. So um, what specifically do they do in Serve My City? So every so what the way we've approached it thus far is we've divided the city in different sectors okay. and in each sector we ask a church to be the point church not that they're calling all the shots but actually they serve. Mm. So they and most of the times it ends up being bigger churches because they have the staff and the resource mm-hmm. to be able to appoint somebody to and so what they do is they help coordinate the meetings for their sector. So there might be 12 churches in a sector or 5 
they're reaching out to the other outreach contact people in those other churches and coordinating their meetings. And together, they discover what they're going to do. We don't point that. Yeah, that again, we're trying to put it back on the churches. Right. You should know what the needs of your community are. That's right. That's a part of our job as the church. Right. And then together, you should discover how we can meet those needs, problem solve together. If we do this together, you know how many different people are sitting in different congregations, the amount of resource, the, the connections. Hey, I know this person. This guy's got this. So here's a story from two years ago. First Baptist, uh, Tulsa, uh, Pastor Darren Spoo, Mike Hart's their outreach guy. They just jumped in kind of last minute uh, in 2017 or 18, I think, and Transformation Church, them, and maybe four or five other churches, I can't remember the list, uh, targeted a school. Mm. And one of the churches, they're like, hey, we've got a gravel company. The, the school wanted a running track around their whole school. Oh. Okay, that's not like a cheap project. No, that's thousands of dollars. Or tens of thousands of dollars. Oh, man. So, hey, we got this gravel company, and hey, we got a guy that owns heavy equipment they end up laying an entire track double the size that they wanted because they miscalculated and the gravel company said, Hey, I don't care. They literally delivered dump trucks of gravel. They had tractors out there and they had volunteers everywhere laying this massive walking track. I believe they didn't get it done in the first day. Churches came back to make sure they got it done. That's the type of stuff that I think we're just actually the tip of the iceberg of yeah. the impact that we can make yeah. because you never know who's sitting in different congregations. And when you start pulling those human resources together, those connections together, those financial resources together, the ideas together, the wisdom together, we can start solving problems in our community at a much higher level. That's right. Oh, so, um, you're trying to, well, I don't know if you're trying to, that may be putting words in your mouth, but, um, at this point, Unite My City in Tulsa is fairly well established. Would you agree? Um, we could say that, but connecting if, the if anybody together. who's ever had a vision, the pain of being a, of having a vision is the is not living the full vision. Yeah. And so I think for me personally, because this is a vision of many, not just mine, mm -hmm. for what I see, there's so much more to go. Mm. And so then I would again. My, sometimes I can be pessimistic. I'd be like, we're not established yet, but we are no, what, nine years into this. I say we have a good momentum yeah. and we've got a good thing to work with, but I believe there's just so much more out in front of us. And I love this because you're nine years into it. And some people would say we're nine years into it and we haven't made, you know, we're not fully, yeah. but nine years is a, a very short amount of time. In my opinion, I have a nine year old yeah. and it went real fast. <laughs> well, we hit, we hit our heads on a lot of things in those nine years. Mm, well, growth does that yeah. change and you're uniting a lot of different people. And so establishing those connections and those relationships, it all takes time. So nine years, you've established the connections with the pastors. Churches are coming together and impacting this city in ways that we have never seen before. Have you involved, you talked about city councilors, have you involved any kind of city government with this? Not at the level that I'd, I'd like to. Okay. Um, a part of that honestly has just been our capacity mm. in, in how much time we can spend in this. And it, it United City has gotten to the place now where we, we have to figure that out. Like, I mean, it's mm. a, how much time can we spend, which becomes a budgeting issue. Um, so we are, we, you have to, I talk about in the book, there has to be uh, cross sector collaboration. Yeah. Again, uh, I learned that from a gentleman named Tom White who, who wrote probably a better book than I did on these type of movements. Um, 
I forgot the name of the book. I wanted to push it for him, but anyways, great book, but there has to be that collaboration just mm-hmm. like there would be churches to school administration. Right. There needs to be, you know, a, a, envision this. This is the goal. If you have 20 or 30 pastors in a city that can sit down with city council or the mayor or the city manager, whatever size of community you're from and say, Hey, how, what, what are the top three needs in the city and how can we help you? No strings attached. We're not here to Bible thump you. We're here to love you. Right. And we're here to serve our community. And we've got hundreds of people, if not thousands or tens of thousands of people sitting in our churches every day um, that we need to get mobilized. We need to get them out there to help serve the community. And I believe then that creates a gospel movement in the sense of now people are being forced to get outside of their daily, weekly, monthly routine to interact with people in the community and gives an opportunity to reach with Jesus. I, diced, I, I went off track. No, this is so good. But yes, there needs to be cross sector. So sector being church to community, church to school. Um, we have to reach out and, and ask our community leaders how we can partner together and work together. Um, no strings attached. Have you met with Governor Stitt? Uh, I have actually. My Our pastor hosted him a couple of weeks ago for a men's event. That's right. And so I invited several pastors from the community. Um, pastor Bill opened that up and, and was back. We're back there. So um, I've heard great things about him. He's, a fen- so, he's phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and there's, there's some, hopefully some things brewing there yeah. in the future. I met with GT Bynum, our mayor. Love uh, GT Bynum. A couple, a year or two ago. And we've had some conversations on this. I, I don't know if, the connection is there that we, we really need yet. Again, it's a capacity issue of having the time to really spend to bring the yeah. understanding. Yeah. Uh, it's getting your arms around a really big, big issue. So, uh-huh. but that is my prayer. Um, and it's absolutely a need and, and must be a part of this. Now, a lot of these people that are going to be listening to this podcast are pastors. You know, they may not have a relationship yeah. facilitator like yourself to help build that. How would you recommend a local pastor reach out to other churches? Just call, show yeah. up. Well, bring so offerings. <laughs> this is a this is a sticky point. Uh, you know, I'm not a local church, and so I'm uh, I'm neutral, right? And so on Sunday, excuse me, on Sunday, I don't care how many people show up to my parking lot, right? These guys do, right? And and so I like to address the the bottom line issue with them. A, there's, hey, everybody thinks they can help people the you know the best or whatever. They want to help people. They want their con- they want their church full. They want their church to grow. Um, that also translates to dollars, right? You know, it's like, man, if, if we start working together with other churches and they start building a stronger relationship with people in that church, or they like that leader's personality better, I'd run the risk at losing them. Those are all real fears that right. I like just to address out of the gate. Um, I like to remind them that that's happening anyway. People church hop all the time, especially right. around here in Tulsa. It's crazy yeah. town. Um, but then number two, we have to truly trust God. The Bible says he's the one who God? places and the people in the body yeah, where yeah. it pleases him. And I'm telling you, 100% of the time, the churches and the pastors that I've sat with pastors, and some of them have publicly gone out and done this. There, there's a church here in town that in their lobby every Sunday after you attend their church, if you don't feel like that church is for them, they have a list of 10 or 12 other right. churches yeah. for them to go consider. Yeah. Right? Those are the churches inevitably that are growing, That's right. that are healthy, because they've laid that down. And so... The fears that local pastors face, man, I get it. I've had donors walk out on me and go partner with other organizations. I've had pastors go walk out on me and go partner with other organizations. It is a part in the nature of the beast. And it creates real insecurity. It creates real fears. Um, Lay it down. Trust God. And it doesn't take the scariness out of it. Yeah. It's still there. 
but you got to, I think fear is associated with trust. Yeah. Um, you, you have to walk, walk that out. But for a pastor to, to start something like this or to initiate it in their city, I absolutely believe it is possible. A couple of years ago, I would have said, man, no, I don't know if I would say it's the best option. Um, I think if you can have a neutral, need person, a neutral person champion, I think that's best. But again, my opinion might on that change, but if you're going to do it, here's how I do it. Get three or four pastors initially, how you start matters the most. I'm telling you in this, you, it has to be unity from the beginning. From the beginning. It can't be, Hey, here's my idea. Do you want to come join it? And yeah. a lot of churches, we just subconsciously think that if we have a heart to unity, but we don't make room for other people at the table and, and make a room for their opinions to matter and actually do their opinions that we're not accomplishing unity. It's more of, here's my idea for unity. I want you to come and do it. Yeah. And that is a much harder leadership approach. Right. So for pastors, I would say, make sure you got three, four, five, go meet with them one-on-one, -on -one, start a conversation, say, Hey, this is what I'd like to do. But I know if I try to do this alone out of the gate, it, it could be perceived as my thing. And I'm asking for two or three pastors to join me and engaging more pastors in the community and saying, hey, in a very humble attitude, humble tone, man, we feel like this is something that we're supposed to do. And not cheesy and churchy either. Be normal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I is, love what you said, Bible thump. We're not here to Bible thump. Yeah. We're here to love you. <laughs> hey, let's work together, guys. Yeah. There's a lot of issues we're going to have to talk through. Um, and we don't want this to be any one person's thing. And then you don't want it to become that group of three pastors thing. Right. You got to keep expanding the table. Yeah. Um, and so make it feel like unity out of the gate. I, I firmly believe if you miss that step, I almost don't know if it's recoverable. Yeah, I, I completely in today's agree. world in the in the church world today. For sure. I, I keep playing things out in my head and of what you're talking about with different communities and things like that. If one church tries to take on the community impact, the, the almost burden that it brings of we are responsible we are responsible solo for this community. But if you open it up to other people, it takes this weight off and it brings joy back into making mm -hmm. that impact. Burden into what, is light. Yeah. Oh, I just love this. So earlier we talked about you guys are potentially expanding into uh, or reaching different cities. Is that your long-term goal? Um, it would be a, a desire of mine to see this happen. Um, you know, we don't want to go in and try to force this mm -hmm. uh, kind of, it's like, man, if people reach out to us, Hey, we want to see this happen. Can you kind of help us along? And I don't care if they call it unite my city or not. We just want the body of Christ working together yeah. and call it whatever the heck they want to call it. Um, and they might not do everything the way we want to do it, but we're willing and want to help other cities implement this. Um, and it will ex take an expression of, of how they do it. And so we can coach along the way we can come in, um, we're, we're talking about doing like little one day seminars, uh, just to kind of help get it going. That's why I wrote the book. Honestly, was here's my version of all this. The end of the book is kind of a playbook. It's like, here's how you walk this out. Oh, great. And the first part of the book is the why, yeah. if you don't understand the why behind the what, then we're missing it. And so I really wrote the book for the why, but then here's the action steps to go do it. So we really wrote the book, read the book and go do it. Yeah. However you want to do it. So where can people buy the book? Uh, Amazon. Okay. What's the name of it? Uh, Unite, Unite My City. City. Unite My City is the book. Unite My City is the movement. Um, we have a, a website, unitemycity.tv. Uh, it's out there. But you can get it from Amazon too, wherever. I don't, I'm not like into the dollars and cents of it all. We just <laughs> literally want to get, we want to see this happen. So 
I'm so excited and living in Tulsa and seeing the impact that this has made in our community. I honestly think that we are seeing a revival in Tulsa again because of the humility that this has brought and the unity that this has brought. I think churches that are a part of it are just exploding. Um, and there's like, it, it's brought joy. I, I don't know if you see that, but I see like this joy. People are participating that wouldn't normally participate in something and they're excited and they're being a part of something bigger than them. Yeah, it, I, I appreciate that. I don't know if I've seen that, but I, I agree with it. And I think you're right. I think it has brought a joy to the city and to the church world again. Yeah. Um, and that's an awesome perspective. I'm going to hold it, on to that. Please do. Because like I said, I've been, I haven't been a part of it. Um, the church I attend is not a part of this. Uh, but an outsider looking in, it makes me want to be a part of it. You know, like you guys have created this culture of awesomeness. <laughs> I don't know of any other word, but truly showing the love of God to the city of Tulsa. And I just, I, I love it so much. So thank you for everything that you're doing. And please tell your team, I said, thank you, because I, I know it's not just you, but thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having us. It was yeah. a great, great opportunity. So Unite My City book, get it, read it. Um, and if they want to contact you to possibly coming to their community, how would they do that? Um, UniteMyCity.tv or WorldCompassion.tv, uh, or you can call us at 918-492-2858 or social media at UniteMyCity or WorldCompassion. Awesome. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks, Whitney. You have been listening to the FCF Leadership Podcast, where our focus is to help you achieve your destiny as a leader. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, visit our website at fcf.org.